Rocket Internet is one of Europe's biggest technology companies with a stock market capitalization of more than 5 billion euros. But a year on from its IPO on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange, some are raising concerns. Most of the companies it's involved in are increasing sales, but nearly all are losing money. And deciphering how well they're performing is a challenge, in part because Rocket provides so little information. I'm Ravi Matu, the FT's technology editor, and joining me in London is Sarah Gordon, our business editor, and Dan McCrum, the FT's capital markets editor. Dan, let me start with you. Just explain, what exactly is Rocket? Well, at a very simple level, Rocket is in the business of starting companies. So the way you tend to have companies built in sort of the technology space is you have a few people in a garage or a shed, and then a venture capitalist comes along and gives them some money, and they turn into the next Google or Facebook, or in most cases, they don't. They just fail and go away. What Rocket seems to have done, though, is industrialise that whole process. So instead of acting like an investor who looks for these clever guys doing startups, it goes, hey, they've had a good idea over there. We'll go and do the same thing in lots and lots of different countries and we'll quickly start companies to do this. So essentially what they say they can do is they can go from a standing start to having a company doing business in whatever it is they think works in 100 days anywhere in the world. And so they take companies off the shelf and they go, right, we're going to do online retail in Russia or India, something like that. And that's it, simply. That's all they do. They just promise they're going to start lots and lots of companies. And the idea with venture capital is that when you invest, you invest in lots of companies and say one in 10, one in 20, maybe turns out to be a great hit. It's a Google or something like that. And that's essentially Rocket's promise. Now, as you say, they've invested in lots and lots of companies in markets ranging from Nigeria to Mexico to Indonesia to across Europe. But investors are starting to get worried. What are some of the questions that some investors are asking of the company? Well, so this company was listed with great fanfare last year. And since then, it's been exposed to a level of critical scrutiny, which it wasn't at the beginning, when um, there was just a lot of enthusiasm for, hey, they're in tech, they have great companies, it must have great potential. And since then, people have started to look at some of the individual companies and go, well, hang on. Rocket isn't really making money in any of these investments. So where are the big winners coming from? And then you try and work out how should we value the whole thing? And the problem with doing that is it's very hard to get a clear picture of the underlying businesses. So there are accounts which they file locally for many of these businesses. Some of them are behind. So you can go and say, this is what it looked like in 2013, but we can't really work out what it's looking like now. And then I think at a broader level, there's a sense that what Rocket promises keeps shifting. So when it launched, it was this thing which was starting up lots of companies and people were very interested in the potential for those. But the companies which are doing well, the ones it wants to focus on, those keep shifting. So it's had three capital markets days, for instance. And in the first one, it was talking all about global fashion. And it had these startups, uh, Lamoda in Russia, for instance. And it would talk all about the prospects of those. Then... Six months later, it had another one. But this time it was all about food delivery. And it was going to revolutionize the way we order takeaway from down the street with a company called um, Food Panda. And then at its most recent one, the emphasis had shifted again. And so I think there's been this dawning realization that, hey, what is it that we're getting with Rocket? And on top of that, it raised a whole load of money in its IPO. It raised 1.4 billion euros back in the summer last year. And then very quickly afterwards, it came back to the market for more money. So it sold some more shares. 
Then it came back again and raised a convertible bond and, and raised some more cash still. And so the investors who were sold this idea that it's going to invest and get lots of hits, they've sort of been wondering, well, why do we keep having to give this company money? When is it going to turn some of these into businesses, sort of IPO some of the businesses, which um, it's been developing and will get something back? So, Sarah, you uh, have visited Rocket's headquarters in Berlin recently and met with its management. How do they defend themselves? Well, I think one of the things that's most interesting about Rocket is the people running it. It was set up by three brothers, the Samva brothers, and it's run still by Oliver Samva, who's a kind of hero and role model in Germany, which is very interesting because I think Germany is so desperate for a tech champion. And they really felt that Rocket was fit that bill. And indeed, as Dan and I have often discussed, the banks also thought Rocket met that bill. And Oliver Samva is... One of these CEOs who doesn't really brook criticism very gladly, Uh, he brushes it off, he doesn't like engaging with investors, he doesn't like engaging with the press. And basically he says, look, if you do the math, if you look at my numbers, of course this company is doing brilliantly. I've got a track record in starting and selling on internet e-commerce companies. You believe in me, you must believe in my company. And of course, in the tech sector, often it's the founder, which is what galvanizes investors. In the States, in the Silicon Valley narrative, it's that if you believe in the founder, that's enough for a lot of investors to back companies like that. And yes. presumably it sounds like Sam Ver is playing that card as well. Yes, well, I think that's a very good point. I mean, I think also the lack of those kind of charismatic tech startup founders in Europe has meant that Rocket and Oliver Samba have had a much greater impact than they probably would have done in a much more overfished pool. The issue is, is that I think a lot of investors and indeed probably some of the banks who were involved in the original IPO have started just to be a little more sceptical, a little bit more questioning about whether Rocket really can deliver on the promises that it made at the time of the IPO. Indeed, someone who worked at one of the banks that took the company to market a year ago said to me, investors and banks look at the chef, not what he's cooking, meaning they were blinded by the charisma of Oli Samva and didn't really delve into the numbers. And of course, once you do delve into the numbers, they are staggering. I mean, I couldn't believe when I read the IPO prospectus, I could not believe what I was seeing. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shell companies. And behind those shell companies, as Dan says, you get no clarity about what performance really is, what the numbers are really like. And indeed, Rocket itself, it has a group of companies which it calls its proven winners. Of course, they're neither winners nor proven. And even on those in the IPO prospectus, it says we cannot reliably quantify the aggregate losses at these companies. So even on that small group of companies, investors have no clarity whatsoever. Dan, where then do these banks and advisors that were involved in the process of bringing it to market come in? Because these are pretty sophisticated investors and pretty sophisticated organizations bringing it to market. Should they not bear some responsibility or was it simply that the wolves pulled over their eyes by a charismatic founder, as Sarah suggests? Whenever you're selling any company in the stock market, it's sort of an open process. And as long as you have auditors who have signed off on the accounts and you are honest with people about what they're buying, then you can sort of sell anything you like. And the incentive here for the banks is quite considerable because obviously you get paid quite well when you raise stock for a company. But with a company like Rocket, you would look at it and say, well, 
they're going to keep needing money to fund all this starting of companies which they plan to do and all this investment. So they're going to keep coming back to the market. None of which is saying that the banks are doing anything wrong. It's just sort of talking about the incentive structures which are there. So, Sarah, if we pitch ahead a bit, we're a year on from the IPO, questions raised, concerns aired. What should we be looking for next from Rocket? What Rocket says are going to be on the agenda over the next few months are that they will bring to market one of their proven winners, which everybody suspects may be HelloFresh. Aggregate losses at their proven winners will peak, i.e. they won't necessarily start making money, but they won't lose more money. They've also committed to not going back to the market to raise more capital because I think they realise, as Dan described, that that really spooked investors a lot, that it was this repeated capital raising and the purposes to which that capital was put that really spooked people. So maybe they will. Maybe we'll start seeing profitable rocket companies. Alternatively, I think in the next 12 months, it certainly could go the other way. I think if they fail to meet those benchmarks, if they fail to bring HelloFresh or another proven winner successfully to market, if they fail to stem losses, I think the um, question marks over the whole business model that Rocket has pinned its flag to with such fanfare, those question marks are just going to become overwhelming. It certainly seems like we'll be wondering whether Rocket has enough fuel in its tanks to continue to power its growth. Sarah, Dan, thanks so much. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com. Joining us. 